Welcome to Boxes and Lines, a different kind of finance podcast from a different kind of stock exchange. Featuring IEX founder Ronan Ryan and Chief Market Policy Officer John Ramsey. Now here to give you the straight talk on how the markets really work. It's Ronan and JR. Welcome everybody to the latest episode of Boxes and Lines. Welcome to Boxes and Lines. Today our guest is... Nobody. Nobody. We couldn't. Nobody, nobody. would show up. No, no, that's not true. We can get. We've got people lined up. We've people got people. are like just pounding down the door, wanting to get into boxes and lines. But well, this is our first ever listener mailbag episode, and what that means in English for those of you over forty is we uh, asked the uh, listeners to submit questions. Jr. and I got sent them recently, and now we are going to ask ourselves these questions live. And uh, hopefully unfiltered replies. We we just, you know, we feel like having done this for what, like three years now? We developed a loyal, uh, perhaps somewhat quirky, but loyal uh, cadre of listeners. And um, so we want to... We want to engage with them. All yeah. of you. We, we we got lots of questions. Some of them inappropriate, so we're not going to bring them up. Uh, well, them, we'll, we'll, well, we'll, we will. We, we, we might. I mean, we, you know, it's not like we shy away from inappropriate. Um, All right. I'm going to ask you the, the first question, JR, because yeah. right. this question okay. is actually uh-huh. only to you. It wasn't asked of me. JR, uh-huh. Uh-huh. besides Ronan's charm. <laughs> th- thank you, listener. Thank <laughs> you, you can, listener. Definitely. There's a, like <laughs> yeah. a sarcastic yeah. uh, intro there. No, no. I think they mean it. Mm-hmm. JR. Besides Ronan's charm, mm-hmm. what was it about IEX that made you want to leave the SEC to join the IEX team? And there's a second part of that, too. And how did you discover you had a passion for market policy? Yeah, right? You don't want of, me to answer that well, one? I was, <laughs> I was going to weave it in oh, as okay. you were talking. All right. Okay. Well, All right. well, now you've asked it. Let's answer them. So uh, it, it actually did not have much to do with Ronan's charm. Um, not to discount um, the, his ample and substantial, uh, all of his attributes. Um, no, I did. Uh, so the more curt answer is at the time that I was looking to leave the SEC, so I had ended up as um, acting director of trading and markets there. And Flash Boys had come out about the time I was looking to come back uh, to New York um, from D- D.C. I'd been there about three and a half years. And um, the book had just come out. Um, I was trying to figure out uh, Flash Boys. I was trying to figure out um, what I wanted to do for my next job. I was looking at law firms. I was looking at investment banks and other stuff. Not very enthusiastic about any of that. Um, and I thought the book was really interesting. In particular, the people were interesting. But the more substantive thing is that while I was at the SEC, was really at the time that issues about concerns about the impact of high-frequency trading on the overall ecosystem um, and who was helped and who was hurt by some of the practices in the markets became to be a, a topic a lot of people were talking about, a lot of stuff being published about it. So I was interested about that, and there were a lot of things, uh, concerns that I had from my SEC seat about those developments you know, that I thought needed to be addressed. And so having read the book, um, and then these guys, uh, the IEX group, um, reached out to me to talk to me. It seemed like they were the only folks in the private sector that were really um, sort of tried to have a plan to address some of those issues from within the private sector. And all of that was very appealing to me. Um, and the more I learned about the intricacies of equity market structure, more than I knew while I was at the SEC, um, the more layers there are um, to it. It's just, it's, you know, it's kind of end- endlessly interesting in terms of all of the permutations. And um, 
So, but the bottom line is um, I left the SEC wanting to continue to feel like I was making a positive impact in some way. And these were the only uh, people that I located in the private sector where I felt like I could definitely do that. And back then we'd hire anybody. Yeah. Yeah. But the fact that he came from that position, we were excited to have John join. All right. Mm -hmm. Next question we're going to go is our favorite guest on the podcast, our least favorite, and the one person you would like to get on. I think we'll skip the least favorite. Uh, We'll we'll definitely skip the least favorite. That'd that'd be a little aggressive. So do you want me to go first on? Yeah, you go first. Favorite one. I wonder if this is yours. But um, my favorite guest was, you know, and no offense to anybody else who I don't mention, but it was really comedic was... We had the CEO of Stable on here, Rich Council, mm-hmm. and yeah. as I introduced him, I kept referring to him as Eric, and I don't know why, I just could not accept that his name was Rich. <laughs> and about three minutes into the podcast, he started to talk, and he's got a nice British accent. He's like, oh, right, thank you for having me on the podcast, and I'd first like to start out by telling everybody my name is Rich, and it's not <laughs> Eric. And uh he was a great sport, and throughout the podcast, we'd ask questions, and then we'd ask him what Eric thought as well, and he started answering for Eric. And I just thought that was probably my favorite. Yeah. I had the most fun on that recording. Yeah. I, I had, um, so I don't know they have a single favorite. It's like trying to, you know, pick whether he's your favorite child. Um, assuming they had children. Um, that would be a problem. I, uh, <laughs> uh, Rich Council, definitely, uh, up there. Others who I would mention is, um, Doug Sifu, actually, who was almost our first guest. I don't remember if he was. I think he was our first guest. He may have been our first external guest. Yeah, he uh, was very good. He was funny. Um, He's always entertaining. He's always uh, uh, funny. He sort of got into the spirit of it. Um, That was fun. Um, And the Mooch, Anthony Scaramucci, I found um, to be entertaining. Yeah, um, he was shockingly unfiltered. I guess I shouldn't even say shockingly, but (laughs) (laughs) I think that's that's part of his brand, as it is of of ours. So I think we all got along. We generally give guests the heads up and say, look, you can edit out anything. You're embarrassed by what you say on this podcast. Yeah. He started off saying, oh, no, that won't be necessary. (laughs) I think he might be the first guest we edited. (laughs) So. Just yes. so you know, if we ever do a bloopers podcast, you you, you got to hear that one in particular. And the one person you would like to get on, John, do you have an answer for that? And I think that's one person sort of in the industry because there's another question later about one person not in the industry. Yeah. So there's all kinds of people that I think yeah. would be great to have on. One person that I, I have been, we've been stymied. Um, so maybe I'll make one more pitch. So people who are, uh, you know, among the broker dealer, the market structure cognoscenti, uh, we'll know about, I throw these words out because uh, Ronan makes him feel dumb. He doesn't look at me. Um, I, I out, uh, <laughs> so there's a guy named R.T. Luchtkoffer, uh, which is an, ah, that's uh, funny. That's yeah. what I was going to say. Yeah. Oh, it is. Yeah. Okay. It's a pseudonym. Um, it's not, it's not, uh, whoever that person's natural name, but for like many, many years now, um, whoever this person is has been writing into typically to SEC comment, uh, files with extremely sophisticated, market structure commentary. Um, and nobody knows who he is. Uh, so I'd wanted to have him on um, maintaining his anonymity. If he wants to maintain his anonymity from us, that's fine too. Um, so we put out uh, feelers before saying, uh, you know, if you can come on and we can disguise your voice, do all that stuff, I think it would be fun and interesting. Yeah, We've done that with other people with uh, – you know, kind we did of like liquidity, liquidity, and, and arbitrage, Andy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. 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 We so still, look, we still don't know who they we, are. We will we, block your voice. You can sound like a, yeah. a mobster turncoding on your other mobster friends, and no one will know absolutely. who you are. 
Absolutely. So I, I that 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 was my pick too. But the, another one that John always throws out is Matt Levine from Bloomberg. Yes, he puts out um, some really good articles, and he's got like this smartassness to him that I like, and uh-huh. he does a good job in sort of like explaining things. Um, well, now we're yeah. going to have to ask him because since we're putting it on the podcast, if he yeah. happens to somebody, Matt mentions Levine, it if you him, in fact are a fan, or maybe he's RT. Uh, well, maybe. Wow. That seems very unlikely, but. Could be. Uh, it could be. No, Matt is, is both smart and has, uh, you know, kind of a, um, sardonic bent, uh, on, uh, uh, issues in the same way that we do, and is um, I just think it would be fun. So, anyway, uh, sardonic. Yeah. Very good. All right. Next question. John Ramsey, what was your first job? <laughs> well, it was I was like a paper delivery. Here we go. I'll guy. be right I mean, back, I'll, listeners. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in about ten minutes. I was born on a frosty. Uh, <laughs> it was a cold October winter's morning. morning. <laughs> um, yeah, yes. So uh, that well, when my, I was my, insolent, I was beaten in a burlap sack. <laughs> okay. My first professional job after I got out of law school was um, actually with a law firm in Dallas, a firm called Aiken Gump. Um, I'm from Texas, um, oddly enough. So I I started um, there, uh, but that was and actually working on uh, where I kind of got interested in the markets because uh, you know I was a corporate lawyer, worked on a number of securities offerings, um, got to um, understand a little bit about. Um, corporate financings and kind of how all that worked. And I thought that was interesting. And so that kind of ultimately led me to the SEC. Very, very good. Mm -hmm. And not to sound like you, but my first job has an acronym. I used to work for a telecom company. Well, my first professional job Mm -hmm. um, was MCI, stands for Microwave Communications Inc. And that was the big competitor to AT&T back in the day. It was a telecom company, but I was hired by an Irish guy who ran the New York branch uh, only and strictly only because I was from Ireland, which was very serendipitous <laughs> <laughs> or sardonic <laughs> or capricious or whatever stupid fucking word he used to explain it. But uh, I actually got the job in August of 96. I had graduated in June of 1996, and I had a ticket to move back to Ireland for good in September of 1996 if I didn't land a job. So mm, very good. not only was it my first job, it was my key to staying in America. That was the the fork in the road. And the I think- Fork in, in the road. And uh, Flash Boys is actually a description of that first job. It's very funny. I think about you throwing uh, yeah. the pagers off of the back of a Don't tell truck. the other stories. Okay. I won't tell the other It was stories. okay back in the 90s to use those words. Uh, now, I, if you I, use them now, you can- you're, Oh, you're, so now we become politically yeah, correct. No, right? no. But yeah, that was yeah. pre-woke. Okay. All right. Well, now we're, I guess we're more woke yes, now. Yes, always. Yeah. All right. Woke uh, up. Okay. You want me to read this next question? Yeah. Because it starts with great show, lads. Might, <laughs> might be an Irish guy <laughs> clearly drinking when they listen to our mm-hmm. podcast. Frequent listener, send socks. Uh, if we know a who you are, we're sending along socks. along with, yeah. Next question. This is more of a philosophical question. If you both had the ability to change anything about market structure, what are the three things you would do? I've got to be honest, I've been in and around markets for 15 years now and seen it from both buy side and sell side. I'm at the point where I've lost faith in free and fair markets. Three changes is a lot. It's kind three, of like, is a, three is a it's lot. Kind of, you ever see the Seinfeld where the sick kid asked uh, Paul O'Neill to hit two home runs? He's like, two? Two? <laughs> Not just one? Well, we're going to give you a one. What's yours, John? Well, uh, don't jump me again, for Christ's sake. I'm not going to jump you again. Um, I just, I think that in general, I would say, so this isn't very specific, but I think regulatory changes that incentivize people to 
uh, route orders and send orders on the basis of where they can get the best execution and the best that 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 changes that in the aggregate drive people with healthy incentives for that goal rather than um, in ways that just create friction. So rationalize or one important part of that is rationalizing exchange pricing and the policy on exchange pricing so that we're um, incentivizing people in the right way. I think that, that that's yeah, my, my answer is, is along those lines too. So I, I can understand where this uh, listener is coming from. More specific to market structure, right? Something that I think would be really, really important and something we've talked about before is lowering of the access fee cap. And I think lowering the access fee cap, meaning how much an exchange can charge to access liquidity, sort of opens up a, you know, the whole Pandora's box because we've been accused of post Flash Boys. Brokers were really scrutinized by buy side FAQs, by best X committees. And frankly, it's, it's kind of hard for people to wholesalely change the way that they're routing today. But maybe if you came in and the regulatory change was adopted and implemented and there was an access fee cap reduction, I think what you would see is all the exchanges would obviously have to change their pricing and there'd be a rejiggering of how people route. Um, I mean, it's a much fairer price to pay, like almost 20 years on from the 30 mil access fee cap. So if there's one thing and one thing that I think is simple, very easy for the street to adopt to, very easy for brokers to code to, no front end tra- uh, changes needed, and access fee cap reduction, which funnily enough was proposed in the recent SEC Reg MS proposal oh, very last nice December. Pivot. Yes, yes, well done. Yes, mm-hmm. please, please pleasantly adopt it. Anyway, John, this is a question I... How do you manage your day to day role at IEX and work on the and podcast? And work on the podcast too. I, I, you know, frankly, I don't, I don't know how I manage to do it either. Truth is, we do very little prep for the podcast. That's part of, <laughs> that's part of it. I do more than Ronan. He does almost none. But I, um, but uh, you know, we you try. You can't it. even find the room most of the time for these recordings. <laughs> it's not true. Um, yeah, so it is. Uh, I, I I actually do find it one of the more ju- enjoyable aspects of the job. So I don't view it as an uh, as an added burden. It, it it does allow us to engage with a lot of interesting um, different people, um, and actually you know engage with our listeners. And this is one way we can engage with them in a way we haven't tried to do before. So it's just a, it's um, I view it a as a, a welcome diversion from some of the other. So I can pay you less. No, you can't pay me less. You ought to be paying me more. Well, I, John is right. I will say it was our former CMO, Kate Gunning, had come up with this idea because John and I basically sit two desks away from each other and banter each other on the desk all the time. And she's like, you guys should record a podcast. And when we first went in, we're kind of like, what do we do? What do we talk about? I think it was market data dumpster fire or something like that. But now we've done almost 100 of these and we've had tons of great guests on here. And how do we balance it with our job? We simply don't prepare. <laughs> it's, it's, it's that easy. We try to keep this as loose as we possibly can. And we, you know, we do share with the guests sort of the framework of questions that we'll ask, but it's really done by our Marcoms group and Daisy over here sets them, sends us the questions and we, the talent show up in the room. <laughs> We're not, we, sorry, we, the unpaid talent show up in the room and we just go pretty brilliant, brilliant. But, our, but our day jobs are pretty damn busy. So yeah. Great question. Thank you for asking it. Thank you for asking it. You want to read the next question? I'll read the next question. I, it's kind of a long one. I am a PhD student in economics and interested in microstructure and doing some research in this area. As I am learning more, I wonder if you can recommend any books for someone with limited knowledge about the market to start. 
Would you like me to go? Please, I would, I would be interested in your thoughts on that. So actually, as John was answering the question on someone we'd like on the podcast, it got me thinking, uh, RT's comment letters are something that people should read. They're, they're, re- they're really ingenious, but he also, or he or she, also writes them in a way that I, I think a non-market structure wonk could probably understand. But what I would recommend rather than books is even if you go to like ixtrading.com and our blog series, we do a blog series on a lot of stuff. We go sometimes wonky, sometimes not. And in fairness, NASDAQ, NYSE, CBOE, our competitors, um, not always our friends, but I will give them credit. A lot of their um, blogs are much more down the path of market microstructure. Books, if you really want to go, I guess I have to say Flash Boys. But the other book that I think does a very good job, it's called Dark Pools, and I think it does a very good job of like the historical context. Scott of, Patterson, who used to be a yeah, Wall Street Journal reporter, yeah. so maybe he still is. He, he is, but he, he went he, to London, yeah, right? Yeah, he went to London and did other um, asset yeah. classes, I think. But anyway, it starts from like the mid-90s and RAG ATS, which led to ATS, Dark Pools, and the advent of high-speed trading, etc. So I think... That's a good one to read to get like a grasp on some of the terms and the acronyms. And then I would go more to comment letters and uh, blogs that the exchanges put out. Yeah. And, and one, one other thing, which is a little bit more wonky, but um, is I think is digestible, is in 2010, um, the SEC put out a document which they called a market structure concept release, which um, sort of laid out all of the, basically all of the issues that we're still dealing with in one way or another as kind of a blueprint for things that the, that the SEC um, would need to tackle in the years ahead. And um, so if you even just Google market structure, uh, SEC market structure concept release, I think you'll get to the document pretty quickly. So I think that's, that could be a good primer too. All right. This next question is an interesting one. If you were both to do a podcast series on something completely different, what would it be? Does both mean we're both doing it, or if we both did our own podcast series, or what would you do, John? <laughs> I don't have a clue. Um, I, you know, uh, my interests are so limited. <laughs> you go first. Hey, hey, well, he's actually interested in this market microstructure shit. Well, I, I am. I, I am interested, I do, I, but it's not like I'm not interested in anything else. I do um, it for the beans, the shamrocks, the uh-huh, moolah. Uh-huh. I guess what I would, would would like to do a little bit is more along the lines of like a Joe Rogan podcast where it's very, very broad. So we, we've had some great guests on here, but our guests are re- relatively limited to or at least tangentially tied to market microstructure and particularly for the most part equities. And I think if we were to do a podcast, I love talking to interesting people, different people, and particularly people who have a passion about almost anything. And I think passion brings out discussion. So I, I'd love to do something more like Joe Rogan, where he just has crazy, doesn't always have to be famous guests like Elon Musk, but he'll have ultimate fighting, you know, uh, fighting folks, those guys who box the shit out of each other. Then the next week he'll have Elon Musk and he'll have different professors. I think if we could broaden out the scope, I'd even keep John Ramsey as a partner while we're doing it. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> he made me say that. What do you I think? think? I mean, one other idea occurred to me. I think this is this is not directly related to to market structure, but um, the growth of technology, changes in technology. So I'm thinking about AI, artificial intelligence in particular, is a topic a lot of people have um, to to discuss that. But more than that, um, to to have a discussion around 
how it is as a society we come to some consensus views on how to manage these um, changes in a way that create the maximum benefit um, for, for people and that reduce the risks. And there's a lot, you know, obviously a lot of people that are talking about that, but I just think, but not talking about it in a very um, deliberate, structured, coherent way. So I think that could be a... That sounded like the answer to a Miss Universe question. <laughs> what would you do to change the world? <laughs> I'd get all the AI I, people together. <laughs> if I were Miss America, <laughs> I would... Yes. All right. How is today's culture on Wall Street <laughs> different from that of 20 years ago? Well, I didn't work on, on Wall Street. Uh, tw well, you know. Not, you were at City back then, weren't you? I mean, I, you know, uh, maybe a little before that. I don't know. What's your... Well, what just you go think? with... Well, I didn't work on Wall Street 20 years ago. Mm. I started mm -hmm. working technically, like, definitionally on Wall Street, RBC in 2009, on specific technology solutions for Wall Street firms, 2004. So I guess that's 19 years. I guess what I'll say is I, I'll give my, my answer would be when I first joined uh, RBC, the electronification of trading had really already sort of occurred, but brokers were still embracing it. And I think there was a resistance, and this is not meant as a knock to RBC whatsoever or, or any brokers. There was There was a resistance to the change and will everything go the way of algos and you know, relationships are the only thing that matters, not the algos. And like, even the name of this podcast, Boxes and Lines, was sort of a joke made at me from sitting on a trading floor with network maps on the desk. And it again, it wasn't a derogatory joke, but it was just almost like, people are like, what the hell are you doing with like network maps on a trading floor desk? And now it's a very commonplace, you know, co-location technology. So I, I guess I would say it's not as cool as there's less drugs than there used to be. It's more like there's much more... <laughs> Uh, technology has been embraced, and you know um, the te the technologists are, are I, I guess, more at the forefront now than they were. They, it, it was almost like a back office function twenty years ago, when technology is now definitely more front office. Yeah, well, I mean, if you and if you go back even and there's more less than, drugs now, and there's less drugs now. With, I yeah. mean, thank God, thank, thank God, God for that. that. That would have been terrible. That if would there were mounds of powder. Between Absolutely. us in this free podcast that we do. Ronan and I stand firmly against firmly. any use of illegal drugs. You I can see how much I'm shaking my head. <laughs> what about uh, what about pot gummies? Are those if they're legal now? Well, they're legal. Get... I guess that's fine. Okay, that's well, not really drugs then. We, I know that's I know. medicine. Uh, okay, yeah. all right. Let's get back on the rails. Here. All right. Oh, you have to go um, first on this because you. Oh, well, do you have a? Do you, you, well, I was going to actually. Let's see what you, you got. <laughs> I Similar to you, I do think that the, the big change that has happened certainly over 20 years or maybe even going past um, uh, uh, is, is the influence of technology and the impact on in that in terms of uh, stoking competition and, um, you know, the development of sort of a meritocracy, uh, maybe more than existed before where you used to have business much more um, driven by established, entrenched relationships. Now, there still is some of that for sure. And there are pockets of the market where there's less competition than there could and should be, as we, we've sort of pointed out. But I do think that um, having the, the rise of uh, technology has driven a lot of healthy competition in some ways. Very prescient. <laughs> prescient. <laughs> now yes. I'd love to mess up your words. I'm, All right. Okay. So you knew about this question before I did. What do you admire most about each other? <laughs> so Besides I actually, my charm. Yeah, yeah, I did think about that. 
Um, so, uh, so funnily enough, ironically enough, uh, as I thought about this, I thought one thing I actually do admire about Ronan is his ability to consistently um, <laughs> treat people in the office with with respect um, and courtesy, and to um, a- actually be um, helpful and a good mentor to a lot of people, notwithstanding whatever the stresses are. Now. Again, he doesn't do that with me. <laughs> I mean, I'm like the yeah. one person yeah. that yeah. he uh, that, I that need does an, not I, apply to. I need an outlet, uh, man. Yes, so he is absolutely wastes no opportunity to belittle um, or put me down. But for everybody else, um, for the most part, um, he treats them um, uh, quite well and respectfully, no matter what. All right. So for John, this is funny because I actually always uh, to try and keep John on edge. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. always tell him I'm going to miss him when he's gone. <laughs> just just so he's like, what does that mean? Am I going? What does he mean by that? But then I tell everybody behind his back that if John Ramsey wasn't at IEX, I wouldn't be at IEX. So uh, it, probably part of the reason Kate put us together is he is a hilarious guy without knowing how hilarious he is, but he just makes me happy. And he has this way of self-deprecating himself, but you know, I hope Jake removes this part. The guy is a fucking genius. And <laughs> he actually works really hard, but doesn't take himself too serious. And I think we try to both not take ourselves too serious on this podcast. But humility is a is a massive uh, box check uh, for a friend in my book. And John definitely hits that. Well, well thank you. I, I, I do appreciate that. And I'm going to hold on <laughs> yeah. to this tape. And next bonus uh, season, I'm going to no, I'm, I'm not pull paying it you. Like, just <laughs> okay. All right. Thank you. Yeah. I'm just going to. You get to do this the, podcast. The you just in, said earlier on. This makes that's your job all, That's all I need. That's <laughs> all I need. No, it is. I, I do think that people appreciate. Uh, one of the things I, I hope people do like about podcasts is you can talk about serious issues and also not take yourself too seriously. And I think people hopefully appreciate that. So, yeah. Because some of this shit we talk about is frankly boring. <laughs> I, yeah, I, yeah. Some of it is. And yeah. some of it's interesting. But even so, you don't want to have people just kind of like go on and pontificate in a, you know, sort okay, of. Okay, I'm going to take the tear out of my eye right now. Okay. Okay. Now, right. <clears throat> yeah. John, you complete me. If you could pick one person, dead or alive, to be on Boxes and Lions, who would it be and why? People in the finance community are off limits. Off limits. So this can be huh? anyone. Oh, my God. Wow. Dead or alive. Yeah. I actually read this this morning. So what popped into my head is just a random one. I don't even really know if I would want him on, but it's uh, I would like to have on this podcast Elvis Presley. And I'll tell you why. My dad was a massive Elvis fan. Elvis had died a couple of years or a year after I was born. Or when did he die? I was born in 74. I think he died in 75. And um, like it was kind of like a big deal in my house, Elvis, growing up. And then I watched that movie recently named Elvis. And I didn't realize, like the, at least in that, the, the life story of like where he came from, from relatively little money, what he did, went to the army, came back. And at least how the movie framed it, he was pretty much abused by those that managed him. And he might have been the first like star out there to really be a global star. He was like abused, fed drugs that ultimately killed him. And it'd just be, not because I want, I think he'd just be a really, really interesting guy to talk to. Like if you ask me, dead or alive, that's the one thing that popped into my head. Mm-hmm. You probably have some really educational one. Like Winston Churchill, what would you want? No, I don't. I was going in a different direction. Um, okay. And actually, this comment will make it sound like I'm sucking up to you, which I, I definitely am not uh, intending to do. But um, 
But I think Bono would be great. I, I say yes, this because true. I know, uh, because you're a big um, Bono fan, but I think just um, somebody who has um, managed to stay uh, relevant for such a long period of time and be so creative in the music um, industry and um, understanding how, how it that journey and how he is, has sustained it, I think would be very interesting. Yeah, and one thing too, like not to piggyback your one, that I do appreciate is a lot of people sort of, they get annoyed by Bono with his preaching at some point, but I will say he is a guy that puts in a lot of effort to giving back and donating time, money, and support to charity, which is which is pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. Bono. See, we both went, we both went on the music theme. There you go, Elvis yeah. and Bono, and the Irish theme. If Elvis and Bono Good were rest. in the octagon, who would yeah. win? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. We'll leave it to our listeners to uh, <laughs> vote on that. Bono, because the yeah. Irish cheat. Yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> what's up next? Oh, Ronan, are you ever going to cut your hair? Did you <laughs> Did you submit that question? No, or did I listen? I, I somebody. I obviously a listener who is. <laughs> Noticed your a, a, hair a listener, yeah. How, yeah. how did they see us on this, on this non-video too. podcast? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the more the people ask me that, mm-hmm. um, it's asked in a way where it's wrong. You should cut your hair. Your nature and means then that I'm like, you will decide you're never going to Yes, it. yes. Mm-hmm. So I have no plans to mm-hmm. cut my hair for no apparent reason. Until it's longer than Bono's. <laughs> <laughs> no plans, no plans. Stay tuned. Yeah. Um. What is the hardest part about, about operating-, operating a stock exchange? Yes. Well, well, I think it's clear to me. It's the regulation aspect, not the regulators. It's the way in which we're regulated. I think it stymies uh, innovation because you have, it's just, and I understand why it is, but it's, it's much less flexible than when we were a dark pool ATS before being an exchange. We could experiment and do more things like order types without going through you know, extraordinarily potentially lengthy filings. Um, but then there's benefits to being an exchange too. But frankly, that would be my biggest frustration with being an exchange because everything else about it is it's a, at least in this day and age, it's a, it's a fantastic business. We, we have a ton of smart people who work here and you just learn shit all the time, all the time. Like on a weekly basis, you're learning stuff. But if we could just have a little bit more speed and, flexibility on the reg side that would be great but we're big supporters of our regulators so that's not a that's not a dig at the sec not at all god bless yeah. them all god are there any former sec acting heads of trading and markets absolutely anybody who's ever just worked kept agency, lobbing in calls to us please hire me please hire oh, i me. never did that <laughs> i never did that so I think? think we've. Uh, I, oh, I you got to answer. Uh, I what I have to answer too. Well, well I guess don't. I would say that. It, I mean, I think the biggest challenge is um, that it is a. I mean, it, it's highly competitive, um, obviously, and stuff. Everything in financial services in is, but it also is very highly regulated, and that's so. That means that the challenge is trying to find a way to compete in the most effective way within the current uh, regulatory system. So, you know, a lot of what we're about is trying to rationalize the regulatory system so it creates the right incentives for people to compete in the right way. But that's um, that's how I would think about it. All right. Next up is a lightning round. Lightning round! Lightning Which round. I understand lightning round is quick questions, quick answers. Is that it? I guess that's it. But I, don't, I haven't actually looked at yeah. these, so I'm like wor- take really quick, worried about take, take it. Take a quick – well, you just you just have to spit out an answer. There's no, there's no wrong answer. Ready? I know, I know, but um, – okay. What's your favorite restaurant? 
Favorite restaurant. I got a place um, near me in the uh, West Village called uh, Hudson Clearwater, which is, um, you know, nothing, not very, not very fancy food, but very good. For me, it's a restaurant in New Jersey called La Mandina. But that's just basically, if you ask me this question a few months later, I'll probably give you another one. Uh Um, Best burger and beer in New York City. So there's a place in the village uh, called Emily uh, that has really good pizza, but they also have um, uh, awesome burgers. So that's the, and beer. I I actually don't really drink beer. Yeah, well, it's sort of an accompaniment to the burger, I think. For me, my answer is a bar that's no longer here. It got knocked down a few years ago called Patrick Conway's. Used to be right up by Grand Central. They had a blackjack burger, which had like Worcestershire sauce and onions in it. Mm-hmm. And any beer you had, it was just fucking amazing. But they knocked it down to put up a big new building. Wow, there you go. And I actually am I'm planning to be um, in in Dublin, um, same time as Ronan is there, um, later in August. So oh, yeah. You can so you can, show you me, can, like, you can have a pint of Guinness in Ireland. A pint of Guinness in Ireland. And have one. Do you, do you even know what Guinness tastes like? Have one over here before you go and then have one there and then you'll realize that people who say the Guinness Ireland is great relative to here are not bullshit artists uh, for some okay. reason it well, just tastes I guess now I have to do completely it. different know, really drink like one pint beers, here though. just give know. it a go it's okay. okay I'll give it a try best vacation you ever took mm, that's a tough one I'll go for mine like it popped into my head right away uh, two weeks after September 11th back in 2001 my wife worked in travel, and we got the opportunity to go to Hawaii for free. We flew business class for free, hotel for free. And it was literally the travel industry wanted people to fly and show that they weren't afraid to fly. And I was cheap as fuck, so we went. But it was it was honestly like we were both in the city that day. It was a traumatic time. We were not necessarily scared to fly or anything like that. But to to get out of New York and to fly over to Hawaii and to get the people in the hotel when they heard we were from New York treated us like kings and queens for the week. And it was just... One of those things I'll never forget. It was an amazing trip. Very good. Well, I don't know. One of the more interesting, certainly the most interesting probably that I've taken, and this is um, time, a long time ago, in 1998, I went to um, Russia. Uh, actually, for business reasons, um, originally, because I was working at Finra at the time, and I um, went over there to uh, be involved in a conference where um, the Russian government was trying to was looking at um, setting up kind of a self-regulatory organization to sort of support their financial market. So that was in Moscow. So I hung around Moscow for um, a few days. And then- What um, year was that? Uh, 98. So it was after oh, the wall had come the, down. Okay. But it was, so it was, it, it, the Russian economy was still very much in transition at that point. There were, um, my sense was, it, even in those big cities, you had younger people all look very westernized. Um, and anybody over- 30, certainly over 40, looked like they were from a completely different planet. Um, so it was an interesting kind of transition. And then I went to um, St. Petersburg um, after that. It was in in the summer, in the middle of the summer. Uh, so when, you know, they have what they call the white night. So, you know, it's like it's daylight almost around the clock, which is kind of crazy. That was fun. Best bingeable TV show. Bingeable TV show. I, don't, I tend not to like to binge, but... Uh, one, I mean, there's been so many during the pandemic, um, yeah. you know, just in terms of like series. So I'll think of kind of like streaming series. A lot of them I have uh, really uh, loved. Two of them, uh, two of them that stand out. Um, Broadchurch, that was oh, that one was good. that yeah. I thought was really good. Um, and then uh, Mayor of East, Eastwood. East, East, yeah. Eastwood, is it? Or it East, was in, East Town? East, East Town. Town? East it was Town. in Pennsylvania. It was, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I think East Town. What's her name from Kate Winslet? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. It was yeah, very, yeah, very yeah, good. Yeah, 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 I thought that was. A, that uh, I guess mine will be a typical one, but it did happen over COVID. So, 
I was for years. I took pride in being one of the only people to read all the Game of Thrones books and who had never watched a single show. And when, when people would talk about it in the office, I would laud that over them like I was academic, like John does to everybody else all the time. <laughs> and over COVID, uh, we watched one episode, my wife and I, and we almost cried by the time we got to the last episode because we just binged the shit out of that. And I think there's like eight seasons or something. So we watched it. It got us through a couple of months. It saved us over COVID. Oh, thank yeah. God. It <laughs> saved your marriage. The you know, um. hobby you have that might surprise people. Mm. I don't know if it's surprising, but I love to fish, and I have a small fishing boat. But I go fishing <laughs> at it's all times. Actually, a yacht. I call it a yacht. Yeah, my my staff keep it nice. No, <laughs> no, I do. Uh, I do love to go fishing at all times if I when I have a chance. The other hobby that you have that I think is fascinating that people might be surprised. I don't know oh, is what? that you you like to dabble in woodworking. Which That's I think true. Is, so yes. you're very good with your hands, actually. I do. Uh, I do like, woodworking classes, uh-huh. and uh, I do enjoy that as well because it's just not that you don't need your brain to do woodworking. It's just a different use of your brain, and mm-hmm. I like to go to the woodworking and just play around. Yeah. What do you do? What do you do that's interesting? Well, I do. I, I don't know if it's interesting or not, but it may seem, uh, but, but maybe it's surprising my mother. for me. Well, that's true. I do actually like bridge, yeah. uh, but I've not played with uh, Ronan's mother <laughs> yet. Um, <laughs> I hope you never do <laughs> play with my mother. Okay, all right. Bridge. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, but, 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 but bridge is too, uh, I don't know. Um, a thing that I have s- sort of done more recently is, uh, you know, since we've, Acquired this weekend house in Quag, and it's very again, it's very very modest. It's really a shack. Hamptons, it's, a, Hamptons. it's a shack. It's a, a tiny little shack. The Hamptons. He makes his staff shack. do races. But, That's we his have new a very, thing. No, we have a very small uh, backyard too. In the Olympics. But I actually have gotten kind of interested in enjoy gardening uh, and. Uh, poking around out there. And that's something that I find. I actually read an article that said that they, there's um, evidence that people who garden live longer generally. Um, so I don't know, you know, maybe hard to separate cause from effect, but I think that there's something that's very um, the good one. I didn't know. You never mentioned satisfying. this on the desk. No, good no, I you. haven't. So see, it's what's a, your a favorite little, thing to garden? Do you do plants? Do you do vegetables? Do you do uh, you know, just put in little, uh, well, yeah, like, I mean, we, so we had a landscaper actually come in and do some stuff because there's, it's hard to do a lot of stuff yourself, but then like finding particular plants that will look, um, good in one end and when they actually start to thrive, there's a lot of satisfaction from that. Nice. John, you thrive every day. At I- <laughs> Thank you. I'm like, I'm like a blooming, a blooming plant. Well, well, listeners, thank you for the first thank mail you for the box or mailbag. What the hell what do we, we call we, this? God, look at us. This is the first uh, mailbag episode, and. If you've made it through to the end, we'd like you to submit more questions and we'll do something yeah, like this. Yeah, and that again. guy who wanted the socks, I mean, I don't all of you uh, write in to say you want socks. I mean, I don't know how many socks we have in reserve. The but, great you know. show, lads, lad, you can get a pair of socks. The Absolutely. rest of you, and whoever asks if I'm cutting my hair, no fucking socks for you. <laughs> <laughs> Over and out, Boxes God and Lines. bless you God till bless next everyone. time. Boxes and Lines is a podcast from IEX Exchange. It is hosted by Ronan Ryan and John Ramsey. Executive produced by Daisy Clace, with support from Benstown. For more information and to hear more episodes, go to iexexchange.io slash podcast. Thank you for listening to Boxes and Lines.
The information and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational and educational purposes only, and IEX Group Incorporated and its affiliates do not make any representations or warranties as to the accuracy or completeness of the information contained in this podcast. Nothing in this podcast constitutes a solicitation or offer to buy or sell any securities or provide any investment advice or service. Some portions of the preceding conversation may have been edited for length or clarity. Copyright IEX Group Incorporated, all rights reserved.